What up, Rinku Army, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this very special episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be going over AEW Rampage, the debut episode of AEW Rampage. It was only an hour long, so this is not going to be a really long podcast. There's some points I need to get across, especially with the opening match being Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega for the TNA and Impact titles. And then from there, we'll go into Miro versus Fuego de Sol. And then from there, we'll go into the main event, a woman's main event, Red Velvet versus Britt Baker. And for the record, AEW does not need four people on commentary during AEW Rampage. All right, so let's jump right into the first match. Christian Cage had the ultimate opportunity to take on Kenny Omega for the TNA and Impact titles. This was an amazing match back and forth. The crowd was wild. The crowd was definitely hot. It definitely felt like a big fight feel when it came to these two guys. The other thing, too, is that there's a weird booking situation going on, and I posed a question on Twitter and it was basically why Christian? Now, let me preface this by saying that respect Christian Cage. I've watched his career from WWE into TNA and then his short time back in WWE and all the backstage content such as the show that he did with Edge. So I know Christian Cage pretty well. And I am ecstatic that he is our new Impact and TNA champion. However, it just felt kind of weird that not only is Christian Cage getting a AEW title shot at All Out September 5th in Chicago against Kenny Omega, but he also got the opportunity of a lifetime to get the TNA and Impact titles off of Kenny Omega at AEW Rampage. So he's booked for two matches against Kenny Omega, which honestly, he is probably the first and only one to have that happen. And he manages on Friday to take the belts off of Kenny Omega in a very smart way. I'll get into the match in a little bit, but stick with me with this. Christian Cage is a contracted AEW superstar. As far as we know, he is not contracted with Impact Wrestling. So I was just a little perplexed about why would they have this match go on? Why would they book an AEW superstar against another AEW superstar for someone else's company's title? At this point, when we get to Thursday night and we watch Impact Wrestling, whether that's on the YouTube channel or on Access TV, which by the way, Impact, please fix your videos for those who watch it on YouTube and those that subscribe to your YouTube channel for 99 cents a month or $4.99 a month. Like, get your shit together with that, please. Anyway, come this Thursday when Christian Cage is in the impact zone, he better say something along the lines of that he had an impact contract in order for this to go through. Because if not, then that just means that we're trading championship titles between AEW wrestlers. 
in order to make this story work and make it believable, which I'm not trying to discredit Christian for winning the championship titles. I'm not trying to bury the groundbreaking win that he has over Kenny Omega by dethroning him of the impact and TNA championship titles. It's the fact of why would you have an AEW wrestler versus an AEW wrestler rather than an impact wrestler versus an AEW wrestler to take the belts home back to impact wrestling. As far as I've seen on the surface level, when it comes to this partnership that impact has with AEW, AEW is keeping impact afloat. And now people are starting to realize that impact is really good. And that's only been in recent years that they decided to turn around and make it as good as they can. And because they had Kenny Omega at the forefront, it kind of helped them out. However, story-wise, nothing is making sense. I've said it before on my podcast that Impact Wrestling should have been extremely frustrated, extremely angry, and don't really want to work for Scott Demore if Scott Demore is just going to let things happen. Let Kenny Omega do whatever he wants because he's their champion, rather than getting upset and trying to fire up the home guys to try to take the belt off of Kenny Omega. Because if this was territory days... And we all know that Ric Flair was very prominent in winning other championship belts, taking it around. But you always knew that the champion of the company that he took the belt from will always be angry and go on this chase to take out Ric Flair and bring the belt back home. There's nothing of that in this whole partnership between Impact and AEW, it just feels like Impact was like, okay, Kenny Omega has the belts. We can't really do anything. We're not really going to get hyped for it. We're not really going to get angry for it. We're going to let it ride it out. Moose should have been at the forefront and the one commanding the ship with the anger to go and try to take the belt off of Kenny Omega. Because first of all, you come into someone else's company, take the belt, leave, go back to your company and be like, yeah, I'm the shit and not really face anybody because you're like, oh, I'm protected. So don't get me wrong. Kenny Omega has put on phenomenal matches with Moose and Sammy Callahan, but there's always that factor of the super elite always being in his corner so that way he can continue to be their champion. But the one thing that has been missing throughout this whole entire story is that no one from Impact has decided to go into AEW and start fucking up everybody until they get Kenny Omega alone and injure him so it can lead up to an eventual maybe dropping the belt or actually having a match where an Impact superstar brings the belt home. And again, not to discredit Christian because Christian did make his home in the impact zone. And I'm really happy that he got the belt. But just looking at it from a bigger picture standpoint, why wasn't it not an impact wrestler to do it? So like I said a little bit earlier, if Christian does not deliver some type of line to connect the dots in this weird story, it's going to fall through And as much as Christian's fans are excited and happy that he is the champion of Impact, long term, it's really going to look back on it and be like, why didn't they really flesh that out? You know, he just became champion. He's an AEW superstar, but not technically a 
Impact Superstar. So if he does say that he also had a contract for Impact Wrestling and that he anticipated all of this, and this is why he came to AEW to dethrone Kenny Omega because he could not sit at home and watch Impact fail. He couldn't watch Impact just sit on the sidelines while Kenny Omega did whatever he wanted. See, that's how you tell a story. You're basically bringing your hometown hero back into the folds of professional wrestling. And the simplest way to do that is by having Christian Cage mention something along the lines of what I previously said. Something along the lines of I couldn't sit at home anymore and I decided to contact Tony Khan. I got myself an AEW contract and I knew that Kenny Omega was the biggest dog in the yard with all these belts and he's the belt collector, but he's being a cowardly champion to my home, which is Impact Wrestling, which is the company that made me. So I decided to also get an Impact contract and Scott the Moore granted me the chance to face Kenny Omega for his Impact and TNA World Championship titles. And when I took it off of him, I brought it back home. Because we need a fighting champion and I am that fighting champion for the fans and for the roster. Something like that. And that just came off the top of my head. But see how the story there will get unfold and why it will make a lot of sense to pick Christian and what he would contribute to adding on to Impact Wrestling. Like, that's the kind of storytelling that we need when this partnership is wacky between AEW and Impact Wrestling. I honestly feel that the partnership that Impact has with New Japan Pro Wrestling is benefiting them more than having the partnership with AEW, even though with AEW is a lot more fun and games. And I think what really put me off was all of those ads that Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone would do and Tony Khan just shitting on Impact Wrestling. Like, you don't want to shit on your competitors per se if you want more people to watch them because AEW has a lot more viewers and you want to give Impact the rub, but while you're giving them the rub, you're talking shit about them. And that sort of like had me feeling that do you guys really care? I get it. It's a promo. It's nice and fun. It's funny. And thankfully they stopped with them. But in the end, does it really help out Impact Wrestling? To me, it really doesn't. To other people, they'll say that it does. But most people will try to bring up numbers to say that this partnership is helping out Impact Wrestling. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I love storytelling more than numbers. I love storytelling more than ratings. If you're going to tell me a good story, tell me a good story. You don't have to hold my hand. You don't have to tell me everything. But make sure that when you're delivering your promos and you're delivering the stories inside and outside of the ring, make every single word and action count. Make sure that it is substantial do not give me air do not give me bullshit make sure to give me substantial artwork for my podcast episodes now let me talk about the match for a little bit like i said it had that big fight feel the highlights of the match was definitely that kill switch on the chair and this is where more storytelling comes into play. First of all, I am getting a little tired of how they're doing the distractions because the Good Brothers also do distractions the same way that we saw during that match between Kenny and Christian. And we have to do something different about the distractions. It can't be the same old formula that they're falling into. 
So Don Callis gets up on the apron, distracts the referee. Kenny Omega calls out the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks come strutting out with a chair. They give it to Kenny Omega and there's like some miscommunication. Christian takes over the chair. And while Don Callis is still distracting the referee, Christian Cage hits Kenny Omega with the kill switch on the chair and then throws the chair over the ring. And magically, the referee goes and counts one, two, three, and we have a brand new champion. Now, why does Don Callis still need to distract the referee when he could have just dropped down and yelled at Christian so that way the referee can turn his attention to Christian seeing him use the chair and get the match as a DQ to save Kenny Omega from losing the championship titles because I do not think they have that rule in place where if it's a DQ the title changes hands I don't think they do but that would have been a smarter way because then Christian could use the promo I said earlier in the podcast where he mentions that Kenny Omega is a coward and Kenny Omega needs the help of his friends in order to retain championship titles. And this is not the Kenny Omega of old when he fought Okada without the interference of the Young Bucks and that Kenny Omega did all those matches on his own against Okada and proved to the world why he is the best bout machine there are certain things that happen within aew that no one really gives it a little bit more thought and that's because you have wrestlers pitching their own ideas doing creative wearing multiple hats even talking about their matches and trying to plan out the best course of action Sometimes you need an outside source, such as myself, Marie Shadows, to tell you guys this is how it looks like on the surface. This is how it's going to look if somebody was looking from the outside in. And this is how it's going to look if someone was looking from the inside out. Sometimes you need that voice of reason that's not completely in the business. And when I say that, meaning as a wrestler, because I do not wrestle, I tried taking bumps. The only thing I like about professional wrestling, if I was in a ring, was just running the ropes. That's just me personally. But for me to take bumps and do everything that wrestlers do, I don't. So that's why I'm on the outside looking in. And I can definitely tell that the decisions that they make in terms of storylines and progressing storylines are not 100% there. I'm all for a slow burn storyline. I'm all for a long-term storyline. But if you're going to give me crumbs at this point, then stop what you're doing. Give me something substantial so I can be excited to tune in for next week. Give me something substantial so I can talk about it and break it down and be like, okay, we could probably go here because of this one memory that you guys forgot. And we could jump off of there. I'm all about connecting the dots and I'm all about having a good time while watching professional wrestling. Give me a good story and I'll be entertained. The whole thing about AEW not using DQs to their advantage is sort of going to hurt certain storylines in the process. If they use the DQ rule here between Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega, that would have added a whole new layer and we all could have speculated a little bit more that, yes, if Kenny Omega lost... Impact and TNA championship titles, that little paranoia that he always kept in the back of his mind is going to creep up and is going to manifest 
And eventually he's going to blame the Young Bucks because the Young Bucks brought out the chair. But guess what? All is going to be forgiven because they're best friends. But it's still going to bother him in the back of his mind. The same way that when him and Heyman Adam Page were a tag team and everything that Heyman Adam Page did was wrong in Kenny Omega's eyes. But Kenny is not the type to really communicate his feelings his thoughts to somebody else especially when he really does not want a confrontation to go down Kenny Omega has always been a singles superstar despite forming the golden lovers in New Japan Pro Wrestling and also in DDT but let's face it Kota Ibushi is a very submissive guy so he's not really going to give a push to Kenny Omega Hangman Adam Page being the once tag team partner to Kenny Omega will give him pushback because Hangman Adam Page doesn't take any shit. So he gives him that pushback. Kenny Omega just accepts it, doesn't really communicate as well. Both of them really didn't communicate as well. And this is how we got to this point. Kenny Omega has always been great as a singles wrestler. The only reason why he has the backup is because it's a protective state. It's a safety net. He could show us he's the best in the world, but he could do it with the safety net and then still pass it along as being best in the world. So I hope that this is the next layer because he lost the championship titles to Christian Cage. I hope that we eventually see cracks in Kenny Omega coming to fruition. And let's just fantasy book the fact that if the match did end in a DQ and Christian Cage goes along the route of, I always knew Kenny Omega as a coward to hold those championship titles for Impact Wrestling and that he's not really a true champion, there's still going to be some cracks in the arm of Kenny Omega, but not as greatly as blaming the Young Bucks for his loss. Either way, BTE is probably going to be a must-see today, Monday, August the 16th, while I'm recording this. I may or may not watch it. kind of stopped watching BTE because I did not want to feel like I was being belittled by the new characters that the Young Bucks are playing. So where does this leave Hangman Adam Page? Because he's taking some time off and this slows down everything in terms of storyline, which I really don't like. I honestly think that Hangman Adam Page should be dethroning Kenny Omega at full gear. And now we have some time to build that up because that's coming in November. September, we have Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega again, but this time for the AEW World Championship title. But if Heyman Adepage can study some old material of Kenny Omega and study this Christian Cage match, that might help Heyman Adepage in the process to see where psychologically Kenny is, break down the armor a little bit more, and thus become AEW champion. I honestly think I am tired of this long-term storytelling of a complicated friendship and I think I really want it to end so that way there's a breather and then something new can happen and we just go on to something else but because it's been told for so long and honestly this whole friendship story really started in Ring of Honor and in New Japan Pro Wrestling so this started back I want to say 2016 2017 as like the official start and then now we're here in 2021 with the same complicated storyline and I really do think that I really want this to end already. I don't see Hangman Adam Page evolving and he's evolving way too slow for a wrestling character. There's certain layers that need to be added on to his character to make it a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive rather than empathetic or afraid of the unknown. 
Oh, everybody's afraid of the unknown. Even I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm not going to deny that. But the fact that you have so-called friends screw you over time and time again, wouldn't that make you a little frustrated? Wouldn't that make you get aggressive and you want to take your anger out? And the best way to do it is through wrestling because wrestling is such a universal language that both you and your competitor can grow. You and your competitor can realize, oh, we're that damn good. And at the end, you could be like, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. And I understand that it was wrong and make up, have sportsmanship and shake hands but so far because hangman adam page has went back to ground zero by leaving the dark order what was the whole point for that arc for him to have a good time and realize that eventually he has to come face to face with his unknown situation with his fears against kenny omega why are you so intimidated by kenny omega that is a normal human being yes the best bout machine he could still be beaten on his best day. It just really gets me frustrated that there's no character development in Hangman Adam Page, that we still go back to the same whiny thing and it's the most slowest, slow burn storytelling I've ever witnessed. As much as I love these guys, I really do. And they're all talented and they're all creative. You need to put the foot on the gas a little bit more to help Adam Page grow into the wrestler that we all know he can be. Because if you want to put the championship title on him, he's going to have to grow some balls and get some responsibility and carry the company. The look and feel of what's currently happening with his character, I am not sure he might be a good fit to hold that AEW World Heavyweight Championship title. So let's see what happens if anyone that is listening to this Square Circle podcast episode and you do not agree with my assessment or my opinions or facts, that's totally okay. You could definitely leave me a comment at Marie underscore shadows or a voice message over at anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle podcast. You could also find this on YouTube and on Patreon, wherever you want to leave your comment, leave your comment because I know that my rants sometimes incite people and people call me troll. It's okay. I think about the business in a different way than you do. I am not looking at this as a fan. I'm looking at this from a creative standpoint. And right now, character wise and character building to make it realistic and the most human-esque way, it's not hitting right now when it comes to AEW. All right, aside from all of that, let's get to the second match, which was Miro versus Fuego Del Sol. I honestly do not care about this match. I do not care about Fuego Del Sol. And so Miro won the match, thus... Fuego Del Sol did not win the stipulation of if he happened to defeat Miro, he gets an AEW contract and I think he gets a TNT title as well. But regardless, even though Fuego did not win, they still gave him a contract. And that's sort of like, what was the point of having the stipulation if you were still going to give him a contract? Like, it would have been nice if you gave him the contract on Sammy's vlog to make things a little bit more easier and a little bit more hopeful. And Sammy's fans would have been definitely ecstatic. But to still do it after the match, when he lost the match and he lost the stipulation, you kind of lose trust in the fans because it feels like you're just going to give it to the person anyway 
even though they lost. It's like getting a participation award because you participated in a sport or in an activity or in an event. In professional wrestling, you're supposed to win championship titles. In professional wrestling, you're supposed to win a contract. Fuego Doso did not win the match, thus does not get a contract. Probably next week, they could have set up a different type of style match for him to overcome and get that AEW contract. Yes, he's been putting in the hard work. Yes, he's been around the whole entire time since the pandemic and gained more followers through Sammy's vlog. But stick through the stipulations and stick to your word that if he loses, he loses. You don't just give him a contract because he did all this hard work. Because if that's the case, people who praise AEW 24-7 would eventually get their own contract. But that hasn't happened. Right now, Fuego is playing the ultimate, ultimate babyface underdog. And as you keep building him up, eventually he will get over the obstacle. I honestly think that having him fight Miro is wrong. They should have built that up a little bit more to where he's fighting other guys. And those other guys are trying to get to Miro. But Fuego Del Sol is like, Miro is going to be the end boss. And I'm going to go through all these wrestlers. And every single victory that I have over these wrestlers is one step closer to help getting me an AEW contract because I work harder than everybody else. And obviously, Miro is the biggest talk of the town with that TNT championship belt. So why not play it out like that? Why just throw a match together to be like, yeah, Fuego, you're taking on Miro, who's 10 times your size. There's no vignette to show us how Fuego was going to train to defeat Miro because obviously Fuego is a smaller guy. So as you're the smaller guy, the smartest thing to do in a match is take out the legs of Miro. Miro's strength is in his legs as well as his upper body and arms. But if you take out the legs, at least you won't get caught in like that camel clutch that he does. He's going to have to probably switch it up. If you work on the body part, he's going to have to switch it up. And Fuego may have had a chance rather than feeling like a squash match to possibly make us feel like he was going to get the win over Miro. Imagine if he did. A lot of people on the internet will say that Miro is buried. But the idea is that they should have built this up a little bit more. And if Forego did lose, stick to the stipulation and have him do some more stuff and eventually get to that contract. The main event of AEW Rampage had the AEW Women's Champion Britt Baker, DMD, taking on Red Velvet. The build up to this was a little bit strange, but I'm going to bypass it. It's not that big of a deal. I actually do love the intensity that Red Velvet always shows when she comes out into the ring to do a promo or to get a feud started. And she's pretty damn good in the ring. Britt Baker has definitely evolved into a solid performer. She's amazing on the mic and she's also amazing in the ring. And this main event proved that the women can definitely main event a AW Dynamite once TNT allows them to do this more often. And it definitely proved that they can carry the women's division. The only thing that I didn't like about the match is that the selling from Britt Breaker wasn't always there with her hand. If you're going to keep your hand in a cast or a brace for longer than the healing time, at least make it seem as if like it really hurts. 
Britt will sell her wrist from time to time, but not always. And it looked like she was forgetting to sell it and it was okay to actually use it. It only came down to when she was trying to do the lock jaw that when it really hurt and when it really mattered because the camera was really focusing on both of them, she decided to reverse her own finisher and use her not dominant hand, which should be the left and i really thought that reversal of her finisher was a really smart thing to do overall the main event played out very smartly red velvet was working on the body part of Britt baker the wrist and Britt baker was doing everything in her power to not let red velvet take advantage of the wrist we saw a curve stomp we saw amazing back and forth between the two ladies so overall it was a fantastic match I just think that there are certain things to be tightened a little bit, especially if you're going to be playing the fact that your wrist is still injured and it still hurts. Little things count in professional wrestling, and that's what I love. So at the end of the match, we have Britt Baker winning and retaining the championship title by doing the lockjaw with not her dominant hand. And we see that Britt was going to still injure Red Velvet until Chris Statlander comes out, attacks Britt Baker. And then we have a surprise. Jamie Hayter comes back after a two year hiatus. And what I don't like is that commentary was trying to figure out who it was. And it took a little too long and it just feels off. And the crowd didn't know who she was and maybe if they would have did slight vignettes or slight promos of Brit talking and hyping up the person that's really going to help her it might have helped a little bit so now Jamie Hayter is joining sides of Brit Baker and the women's division is starting to come alive again like it did in the first year of AEW and I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing with the women's division the women's division has always been a hit or miss depending on what happens happens me personally i think that the rest of the women like diamante and swole and everyone else on dark and dark elevation should be on AEW dynamite and AEW rampage telling their stories and playing out their feuds like diamante had a feud with swole and why is that on dark that should be on dynamite that should be unfolding in front of millions of people watching at home not everyone is on youtube not everyone is going to remember to watch wrestling on youtube people do not go on youtube to really watch wrestling people go on youtube to find stupid shit and if you're not doing stupid shit in wrestling no one's really going to care and i think that AEW social media and also the fans of AEW should also retweet as many times as they can and even post up the links to AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation so that way fans who may have missed it and we're going to catch up on it can see it and watch it and give it views that's what we should be doing as a community if you guys want everyone in the world to watch dark and dark elevation rather than trying to keep it within your circle and your niches and not expanding it across the world you don't have to put money behind it to promote it all you have to do is just post up a link and remind people to watch it on youtube if that's what you really want to do because i've ran into people from wrestling twitter that will defend youtube to their dying breath when i'm like no one really stays on youtube to watch wrestling like that 
unless you're someone like me who wants to focus on commentary and want to focus more on watching matches and breaking down matches for the world to hear because that's what I love to do, then I'm in a different category. But the casual wrestling fan is not going to go on YouTube to watch AEW Dark, AEW Dark Elevation, because that's not what they're going to do. They might end up seeing a video of WWE because WWE has such a huge footprint in the media world that they'll see it, but they're not going to like link to the content of WWE 24-7 on YouTube. They're going to look for stupid shit on YouTube. That's what casual fans would do. They'll look for stupid shit on YouTube. So you have to be smart about trying to attract the casual fans over to AEW and not just have AEW be for the hardcore fans. You can still have the hardcore fans there, but also be accepting of casual fans and have them understand that there's more to wrestling than just the local indies and WWE, the juggernaut, whether you want to believe that or not, based on them releasing people and based on how they've been showing their products over the last couple of years. So yeah, I honestly think that having the two amazing women like Diamante and Swole to have their feud on AEW Dynamite is way better than AEW Dark. Everyone around the world is going to have an opinion about professional wrestling. It is a subjective art form, but this is how you learn and you grow the same way that when you're on the indies and it's televised, you grow and learn and do your craft in front of people. This is theater. It plays out in real time. This isn't like it being taped and then someone's telling you, you did this good, you did this bad. This is how you could change it. You are worried about getting shitted on for your performance as a professional wrestler, whether that's promo work, character work, in-ring work, out-of-the-ring work, social media work. Just filter out the idiots and the trolls that make no sense. If they make no sense and they don't know shit about the business, filter them out and you guys can definitely... Find people like me that make sense and have a passion for this and think outside the box to make sure that your character can get over, your social media game can get over, your in-ring ability can grow and increase. I'm just passionate about professional wrestlers going above and beyond in this crazy world that we love of professional wrestling. The only sport in the world where we take bumps and we keep coming right back. So again, if you're afraid of the backlash and the idiots that just run their mouths on social media based on your performance, whether you mess up or you don't mess up or whatever it could be, fuck those guys. I'll be your ally. I'll be your cheerleader. I'll be your supporter. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast on that note. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please make sure to head over to Twitter. Make sure you're following me at Marie underscore shadows. My DMs are open if you ever need advice on professional wrestling career or you want me to look at something and you just want my advice in general. I'm there for you. I'm there for all professional wrestling, no matter what. And while you're on social media, make sure to tell a friend that the Square Circle podcast reviews shows such as AEW, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and at times talk about WWE. I will soon be adding a new review, which is going to be the Heels show on Stars. 
So be on the lookout for that as well. If you do not agree with anything that I've said in this podcast, please make sure to give me a voice message over at anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. This podcast episode will also be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you get your podcast episodes on. But if you do not agree with me, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on the voice message, hit me up over on YouTube. That's right. This podcast episode will be on YouTube. And then also hit me over on the Patreon. I relaunched my Patreon. There are only two tiers, a $3 tier and a $15 tier. You choose how much you want to support me and me alone because the Square Circle podcast is run by one woman only, Marie Shadows. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows. And if you want to take it a step further, I do have a newsletter. Head over to ravagelands.com. Sign up for that newsletter to get all the info on podcast episodes, vlog episodes, and anything else I do in professional wrestling because this is my life. This is my super passion. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.